ask that you would just fill up with your holy presence mm -hmm. and that the words on his hearts would just fully come from you and that he would make himself small so that you become greater especially as he shares your word mm -hmm. for us so give him peace in his heart as well as stir up the fire that's within Thank you for all that you want to share with us today through Gordy. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. <laughs> so, as mentioned earlier, I want to take a few minutes and just prepare us and orient us uh, for this coming week. Not just practically, there is that, but also spiritually and theologically. What, why are we as a church so engaging in the events that are going on in this city over the next week? Um, some of you may already know this, but the city of Vancouver was the first municipality in Canada to proclaim June 21st, 2013 to June 20th, 2014 as the Year of Reconciliation in Vancouver. So, specifically, this coming week is Reconciliation Week. It starts tomorrow and runs till next Sunday. And it consists of a couple of uh, key events. Tomorrow there's going to be a lighting of the fire ceremony at Ambleside at 8 a.m. and I believe a walk from there to the P&E. Then Tuesday there's an event at False Creek, uh, an all-nations canoe gathering, so down by the Science World area. And then uh, the Truth and Reconciliation BC event begins September 18th to 21st at the Pacific Coliseum. And this is an event that is uh, open to the public. And I encourage you to download a program from trc.ca and uh, pick and choose some events to go to. It's going to be very powerful, very moving, very historic uh, time. And then the week will conclude with the Reconciliation Walk which is next Sunday, which we already talked about. What is the Truth and Reconciliation Commission? Let's just talk a little bit more about that. You can download a program, as I mentioned, for more than 120 years. Thousands of Aboriginal children in British Columbia were sent to Indian residential schools funded by the federal government and run by the churches, particularly Anglican, Presbyterian, Catholic, and United. Um, uh, the community that we have a relationship with in on the Yukon border, Lower Post, B.C., was a notorious residential school. When uh, some of our friends, Francis didn't make it this morning, Francis was at residential school. Many of my friends went to residential school there in Lower Post. Uh, 80% of the boys were sexually abused. And when uh, I arrived in B.C. in the early 90s, it was all over the news about... Uh, uh, people being arrested and uh, sentenced to prison for the abuses that occurred in that school. But not only was the abuse and sexual abuse uh, occurring, but they, they were taken from their families and communities in order to be stripped of their language, cultural identity, and their traditions. It was Canada's attempt to wipe out Aboriginal culture. And it left an urgent need uh, for reconciliation between Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal peoples. It was a terrible, terrible black eye legacy and 
and wound in our land. Uh, and so that's what this week is about and what it's been going on, this whole process, for a number of years since Prime Minister Harper's apology. A number of years ago, processes have been initiated. Their motto is for the child taken, for the parent left behind. Uh, Steve Jacesta, a friend of mine, uh, when he was six years old, was playing in his front yard and a school bus pulled up and uh, a man jumped out and said, get on the bus. And he didn't see his parents until Christmas time. Uh, and that story is just one of many. So the parents were left behind. I've talked to grieving parents who lost their kids, who still suffer the shame and the guilt over that. Uh, could I have done more? You know, all of that. So the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada is it's holding its national event. I just pulled this slide off their website uh, this week from Wednesday to Saturday at the PE. And it's an invitation for First Nations who were damaged and hurt by residential school to come and share their truth about the schools and their legacy. And they were all over BC. There was one in Lejac, which is uh, kind of uh, along the Yellowhead Highway. Uh, where Francis's mother went, Charlie Pete went. And it's a, it's a witness and to celebrate the resilience of First Nations culture. I want to talk about the resilience of the Aboriginal culture in a few minutes, but it's going to be statement gathering where there's, there's witnesses and official, uh, witnesses that have been appointed, uh, government, uh, church, otherwise, uh, traditional ceremonies, survivor gatherings, there's education day, as there's listening to stories, there'll be opportunity for you to go and listen to stories. And if you've never sat down with an Aboriginal person who's been in residential school and heard their story as a Canadian, you need to make sure that that's part of your journey here as a Christian Canadian. It's an important part of, I believe, our discipleship and growth. And so you'll have an opportunity to do that. There'll be cultural performances, films. There's some powerful films. Um... Reconciliation Canada will host uh, activities before and after the TRC, so that's what the walk is next Sunday. So just an invitation to be part of the national journey for healing and reconciliation. All gatherings are open to the public. Admission is free. Each TRC national event is dedicated to one of the seven sacred teachings. Love, respect, courage, honesty, wisdom, humility, and truth. Now, let's, let's back up and get a little biblical perspective. That we are called as a people of reconciliation is clear in Scripture from, from the beginning of the story to the end. And Paul wrote these words to the Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. So in light of that, Paul goes on to say, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. 
So reconciliation defined is the act of restoring a broken relationship and becoming friends again through the removal of hostilities. The need for reconciliation implies that hostility is present. Paul writes about this hostility in the book of Ephesians. Between God and us, there's hostility that has to be removed. <clears throat> and hostility always occurs, of course, when, when there's a violation, a broken relationship. So going back to First Nations, why did residential school happen? I highly recommend a book that I read this summer, I think I'm on my third time now, by Thomas King. Thomas is a First Nations scholar, historian. Uh, he's taught university both in the United States and in Canada. He understands uh, Aboriginal issues both in the U.S. and in Canada. And he's, got, he's written a bestseller. In fact, it was on the B.C. bestseller for months and months and months called The Inconvenient Indian. It's, it's a very powerful book. It's very uh, poignant in that uh, I've never read somebody where I will read uh, one sentence and I will laugh and cry in the same breath so much as this book. He'll say things like, you know the definition of insanity, right? You remember that? It's when you do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. The government calls that policy and things like that. He just goes on and on and on. Um, wonderful book. It, if you want to get the story, the last 500 years of the relationship between the Canadian and American governments and Aboriginal peoples, this is one of the best summaries I've ever read. He's, I don't think he's a Christian. Obviously, he went through residential school and was influenced by Christianity. But he, ha he speaks a lot of truth, and we need to hear it, whether you're in the church or not. It needs to be heard by the non-native community. And his argument is that uh, the, the source of residential schools happened with the uh, agenda of colonial governments, which was to, there was this vast tract of land called North America that represented a lot of money, a lot of profit, and a lot of capitalistic agenda, and there was only one problem, Indians. Indians were in the way. And so they had all kinds of different ways to try to deal with the problem, and in the beginning, it was, let's make a deal, called a treaty. But the treaty was never done in good faith. It was only a temporary convenience to, 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 uh, uh, to get through the next short while until the Indians died off, because they actually expected all the Indians to die off. And I'm, I'm using Indian with tongue-in-cheek, because I understand that Indian was a term used by Columbus when he was lost. And so I, I'm, just, I'm using King's language. But basically, uh, they didn't die off, even though there were small block, smallpox blankets intentionally sent among the communities, and the whole communities were almost wiped out. And uh, Aboriginal people proved a lot more resilient than they thought. So the residential school was a, uh, a tactic by the colonial government to assimilate. Remember that one? You will be assimilated. Resistance is futile, right? To assimilate First Nations and make them white. To kill the Indian in the child, literally. And, and so the, uh, it was act, uh, 
came up with the idea by the colonials, an American guy in the late 1800s. Uh, some of the first residential schools were in the northeastern United States. But Canada grabbed onto this hook, line, and sinker and, and uh, got the churches involved because the lot, churches were a lot of the educators back then, so they had church-run schools. And the idea was to take the native children from their home and forbid them to speak their language, teach them English, civilize them, make them white. And so that was the whole whole design. Of course, the system was evil. There's a lot of, there were some good people in the system, but the system itself was evil. And uh, as a result, terrible abuses occurred and, and the travesties that we've heard about. This here is a picture, kind of a depiction on Wikipedia of the wampum, the two-row wampum belt, which is made out of uh, two rows of purple beads on set on white beads, and those kind of um, ribbons between the beads represent bridges. The two purple beads represent Aboriginal culture and non-Aboriginal culture walking side by side together in mutual respect and trust. And the ribbons represent uh, learning from each other, respecting each other's traditions, and but finding a, a partnership. And in the psyche of First Nations people in our continent, that is still their understanding of the relationship between Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal cultures. Of course, the understanding of colonial government was uh, this is our land, and we will try to find a way to deal with you. That was kind of what happened. All right, so that's a little bit of background, but we need some the theological background as to why this happened. Now we've heard the last 500 years as to why greed and capitalism caused this problem of residential school to try to deal with it. It was still an issue of economics and just how to deal with this troublesome, uh, meddlesome uh, uh, First Nations. So to, to get a bigger picture, we need to look at the story of, of Scripture, and that is the, that of the fall, which is the story of a broken relationship. The story of the Garden of Eden was the story of where our relationship with God was broken. And we chose ourselves over God. And, and it caused a broken relationship between us and God, and, of course, the, the natural byproduct of that was a broken relationship between us and each other, individually, but also between us as in genders, between men and women, within hours of the sin, gender brokenness came, where Adam blames Eve, the woman you gave me, and he begins to blame and and then God says as a result of the fall, there will be this patriarchy where the woman will want friendship, but she'll constantly come up against patriarchy and domination. And, uh, and all the other gender brokenness that's resulted. Racial brokenness. Uh, Tutsis and Hutus, First Nations and non-Nations, non-First Nations and First Nations between each other. And non-First Nations between each other. And all of the Syrians and the rebels and what's going on in Egypt and all of that, right? Continue to pray for Syria. Continue to pray. We've been praying, haven't we? We've had them in our sights. Pray, pray, pray. Class between 
and this uh, economic classes and, and various kinds of classes, the whole caste system and the untouchables, all that comes from the fall. That we were all created in the image of God to be fellow citizens in the kingdom of God. Equal, co-heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, right? And then between humanity and creation. I was reading uh, uh, a book to Kathleen last night out of Cascadia. I don't know how many of you have read the book. Beautiful, beautiful compilation of essays on our region. And I just wept as this one writer just describes our region geographically. He moved from Toronto. <laughs> Pierre. He moved from Toronto because he wanted, it fascinated him to be where the mountains meet the ocean. I just wept as he described our, the geography of this area. I just cried. Talked about the waterfalls and the, and the salmon and how First Nations respect the salmon people. And, and just the interdependence of this region. There's, there's an ecological interdependence here that's sacred and holy. And it's true everywhere, but it's so pronounced here. It's so amazing how dependent we are on the ocean. And the ocean depends on us. And there's this interplay of life. And all of that got disturbed and distorted by the fall. And Paul talks about in Romans how creation groans. Creation isn't like childbirth because of sin and brokenness in the fall. And, and what we're talking about this week about reconciliation with First Nations is completely connected to reconciliation with creation. I really believe that if we get those one right, we'll get the other right. Because First Nations are so connected to the land yeah. and, and a sense of place. And uh, this whole, you know, uh, tension with uh, economic development and capitalism, it's still happening. It's not past, is it? One of my favorite quotes by Thomas King is, Whenever people say, forget about it. Because they, they say, you know, forget about it. You know, it's the past. Let's, you know, get over it. Get on. It's just the problem. Then he takes a whole chapter from 1985 on. He says, okay, 1985 before, it's all forgotten. Forgiven, forgotten. So then he takes 1985 to now, and just one travesty after another. Dam built, communities ravaged, broken promises. So he says, whenever people tell me to forget about it, it's just in the past. He says, the past could well be our present as well as our future. So we can't just sweep it under the carpet, right? So God's relentless mission to reconcile, the story of Scripture is simply this, to, to put it all in one story, is, is God is on this relentless mission to reconcile us to Himself. And when did that start, by the way? When did God start doing that? Adam! Where are you? <laughs> right? It's like right away. And we were running the other way, right? Who initiated this? Who was the offended party? It was God. But the offended party came after us. And he chased us with his love and his mercy. And, to, and part of that reconciliation is to reconcile us to each other. I, I love our text today. It says that, that Jesus was 
the religious community grumbled about him because of who he hung out with. Paul said God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Well, what does that look like? It means he hangs around some unsavory characters like you and me. Right? He hangs around people who when the people see him hanging around with them, they grumble and they go, what are you hanging out with them for? You're not very holy. He was a friend of sinners, prostitutes, thieves, tax collectors, drug addicts, drug pushers. Gays, lesbians, transgendered. Fill in the blank. He was a friend. He was a friend to all of us who were sinners, who know our need. He kept questionable company because it was God's heart to reconcile. So inherent in this is, is, is reconciliation with each other. And so that's why inherent in the whole gospel story, the introduction of the Lord's Prayer, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. The law and the commandments, he said, is summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Love your Asian neighbor. Love your white neighbor. Love your First Nations neighbor. Love your gay neighbor. Now I throw in love your white neighbor for a reason. You see, my son and I, when my, we went to dances with wolves when we were in England. And I watched it the first time with Kathleen, and then I took my son. He was about 11 years old. We watched Dances with Wolves. This is when it first came out and was going through the theater. He was 11 years old. I'm not sure if I should have done that. But anyway, I took him. And he sees his dad. We're walking out of this movie. And I wept for, for, for months and months after I, I saw just something hit me so deep as I watched his show. And, you know, and that part, remember with the guy with the long hair, he goes, in his, in his native Sioux language, dances with wolves. I am winding his hair. I will always be your friend. So I'm walking out and those, those words are, cause I was thinking of all my Cree buddies back in High Prairie, Northern Alberta. They're good basketball players. White man can't jump, but Indian can. Boy, they, and, um, and I was thinking of their, their loyalty. They're broken guys, man. They'd come to the Lord, come to church. And then a couple weeks later, they just fall off the wagon. And I go, what's wrong with these guys? And I knew nothing about residential school at that time. Found out later, there was 30, 30 minutes away, there was a residential school that these kids poured out of. Had no idea. Until I was 35 years old, living here in Vancouver. Found out about the whole residential school thing. See, a lot of white people growing up in Canada didn't even know about it. And so... I'm walking out of the show. My son, he's 11 years old. He's holding my hand. He's looking at me and I'm crying. And what do you do when your dad, you know, the rock of your life is crying. And, you know, so finally he goes, he goes, uh, dad, I hate white people now. That's all he knew how to, that's all he knew what to say. And so, so that's why I say love your white neighbor. You know, we need a lot of forgiveness. We've done a lot of bad stuff. And we have to forgive ourselves for that. And so in, part, in that reconciliation, we're being reconciled to creation. Some scriptures. Paul wrote God's agenda. He made known unto us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. Listen to this. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. I often say this at night when I'm going to sleep and I, I can't sleep. 
I'll often quote Ephesians, and I love that. I, I kind of use the old King James where it says, in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in Christ all things, both which are in heaven, which are in earth. Oops, sorry. That's how I usually get to sleep, right? All right. How about this one? For he is our peace. Who's that? Who's our peace? Jesus. Who has made two groups one, Jew and Gentile, native and non-native, right? And has destroyed the barrier and the dividing wall of hostility. There's that hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations, and I don't understand all that except the rules and regulations that separate us, the performance, oh, I'm better than you, I'm more righteous than you, I'm more holy than you. That's all been nailed to the cross. We all suck. <laughs> and we're at the foot of the cross in need of mercy. Right? That's a, that's a, that's a Wade Pallister translation of Romans 3.23. We've all seen. Here. By setting aside in his flesh the law, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. Thus making peace. Isn't that beautiful? And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access but to the Father by one Spirit. So if you have the same access to God as I do, if I can go to the same Father that you can, if there's no hoops that I have to jump through, and there's no hoops for you to jump through except through Jesus and through what He did and through His blood, what does that make us? We are fellow citizens. We are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of His household. I'm going to start preaching soon. Is that exciting or what? So, what are the steps to reconciliation? Well, first of all, someone has to initiate. What I love about the stories we've read today is that God initiated. It's the woman who sought for the coin. It's the shepherd that sought for the sheep. And even in the story of the prodigal son, yes, it was the son who said, i got to find my father, but we know the father was... And I love that story in the movie Luther, where Luther... Luther's got all these children around him in the movie. And he says to them, why did the father run? In that culture, noblemen didn't run. Slaves ran. Children ran. Servants ran. But noblemen never ran. Why did the father run? And they're all, all the kids are looking at Luther, you know, this discharged monk, Right? They're looking at him, and he goes, because he was afraid his son would change his mind. Ah. I can just see it. Woo! Ah! And the son's just getting ready. Nah, I'm not. I'm a slave. Nah, I'm, I'm out of here. And he grabs him. Watch and he arm. hugs him. Oh, yeah, I got to care for my arm. How's your arm? <laughs> Healing. All right. And he... And his, the son is covered with tears. But it's not his own tears at first. It's the tears of his father. Ah, he initiates. And so isn't that interesting as disciples of Jesus how he says, 
if there's a broken relationship. If your brother, if you go to the, if your brother offends you, he says, you go. Okay, well, that's fair. But there's another one where it says, you go, you go to the altar and you realize you've offended your brother. You go. Wait a minute, that's not fair. It's got to be 50-50 here. He says, no, if you're the offended, or no, if you're the offender, you go. Now, that's not a rule or a formula. There's situations where people have lost trust and violated boundaries, and you know, you know the story. So I'm not saying that if you're an abused somebody and you, that you're necessarily... It's the principle of initiative and reconciliation, that as people of God... Our heart is one of, of reconciliation. So, truth-telling. In, in a broken relationship where there's hostility, it's important for people to tell their stories. Many of you have heard me tell the illustration of sociopaths. And we're all sociopaths. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a sociopath. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we are all sociopaths. And what I mean by that is that we all are in this journey of becoming more and more aware of how our behavior affects other people. Because we're so self-absorbed. Sin has made us encased in self. And we don't know how we affect other people. And so we're in this journey of love, growing to become more aware of how we, we affect other people. But, but real sociopaths, people that end up in jail because they do such damage to other people, they found that the only cure for them is to be able to allow them to hear the stories of people that they've offended. And they'll show hundreds of hours of video clips of where people that have been harmed by their actions will tell their story of how they've been hurt. And sometimes, having heard these stories, these sociopaths will begin to break down, the hardness of their heart will be melted, and they'll, they'll repent, and they'll go, oh my God, what have I done? And they change. So it's important, this truth-telling that's happening in Canada this weekend with the Truth and Reconciliation for us to hear. And that's the second part, is listening to the stories. We need to hear. So Jesus said, if your brother offends you, or sister offends you, you go to them, and if they listen, you've won them. If they hear you. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say if they'll go out and do all this other stuff. He just says, if they hear you, you've won them. Something about listening so important. And even, I found when I need reconciliation with Kathleen, if we're working through stuff where we've had a conflict, I found it's even important. She doesn't even know I'm doing this. I'll, I'll actually say back to her what she's telling me about how I've hurt her. I'll say, so you're saying that when I did this, you... And she goes, yeah, that's what I said. So, so I make sure that, that I've heard how I've hurt her. And then confession and repentance, which is a good old Bible word for acknowledging, you know, you said that I've hurt you, and I acknowledge that when I did this, this was hurtful to you. And repentance is a change of reference. It's a change of thinking. It's going, oh my, I didn't see that. I didn't see that perspective. My grandson, Samuel, he's been asking me about Native. He knows about us going up to Lower Post. And when he was here a few weeks ago, he said, well, Grandpa, what, what, what's the big deal? What, what, why is there so much pain? He didn't ask it that way, but he, he wanted to know. So I said, well, Samuel, it's kind of like, you know, you have guests that come and stay with you in your house. 
And that's nice. You give them a guest bedroom like you guys. You guys have a guest bedroom. But imagine the guests stay for a while, and then they take another room. And then imagine they take another room, so you don't even have any bedrooms. Now you've got to sleep on the couch. And then imagine they take over the kitchen and the bathrooms, and so then they got you sleeping out in the yard, and then they give you the outhouse. He goes, that sucks. <laughs> well, Samuel, that's kind of what happened. That's kind of what happened. And then, as Danny mentioned earlier, forgiveness is part of reconciliation. It's canceling the debt owed. So, for example, when apartheid was dismantled, truth and reconciliation, this whole idea came from Desmond Tutu in South Africa. When apartheid was dismantled, after Nelson Mandela was released from prison, he became the president, and, and he confided in Desmond Tutu about how do we avoid the bloodbath that other African nations have suffered when there's been independence and democracy. Because there's been, a, there's been a lot of abuse, there's been a lot of violence, and how do we, how do we ensure there's not going to be the same kind of bloodbath that there's been in other countries? So Desmond Tutu, who's a Christian, said, well, from the gospel, here's the way that reconciliation happens. Is, is, and he went through this whole process that I just, I've just covered here. Somebody has to initiate. And it's ironic to me that often it's the victims who initiate. This whole truth and reconciliation of Canada is being initiated by First Nations. They're leading this. And this is what happened with the, uh, the uh, African-led Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa. And... Uh, they, uh, Nelson Mandela said, let's declare uh, a, a, a season of amnesty for all the perpetrators. Let's declare, if you, if you, you know, you tortured people, you killed people, you were involved in crimes under the, the wicked apartheid system, come and bring, identify yourself and engage in a process of truth and reconciliation where people can can tell their stories and tell you how they were hurt by your actions and there can be reconciliation and forgiveness. And so many perpetrators and victims faced each other in safe rooms and stories were told and it, and it avoided a bloodbath that had happened in many other countries in South Africa. Because what happens is forgiveness breaks the cycle of revenge, hatred, and violence. Forgiveness says, you owe me, but I cancel the debt. But it also says, you have no power over me. What you've done to me, you have no power over me. So it breaks cycles, and it breaks this us-and-them mentality. And makes it all us. So, truth and reconciliation. Here we are, as a country, as a nation. We have it in our power, a historic opportunity. So what I'm going to ask you to do, and this is on your bulletin, so you can take this home with you, is tell your truth. If you're First Nations, we want to hear your stories. Now, many of you younger First Nations have not been in residential school, but you were affected by it, of course, because it was your parents or your grandparents or relatives. So all of you have been affected by it. And because you were affected and because of our interrelationship, we're all affected. So be a prayerful listener if you're non-Aboriginal this, this week. 
when you go to the events as you're part of the walk next Sunday and then join in the walk. And then for on your bulletin, it has these re- reflection questions. Let me ask you this. When there's a conflict, who usually takes the initiative to reconcile with others? You or them? Think about that. Secondly, how has your family of origin affected conflict for you? Like, pray into that. And finally, are there outstanding reconciliation issues in your life right now? And again, this isn't formulaic. I mean, there's, it takes years <laughs> of pain. And so, um, so understand it's not going to be a, a one-shot little dabble, do you? It's, it's a process of, of walking with a heart of forgiveness and a heart of reconciliation. So if your home groups are started, this is what you can take in your home group. If you're not started yet, Get some prayer today. Have somebody talk with you. Uh, Come up after the service and have us pray. Let's bring our kids in. Come on in, guys. Let's welcome them back. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Bring them in. Yeah. Welcome back, you guys. So awesome. So we've shared a little bit up here about what's happening next Sunday. I'd love to hear from you guys, kind of your perspective. And uh, just anybody that wants to share. So Joanna, take it away. Okay, great. So we, so we talked about, um, uh, we, we shared a little bit about what happened in residential schools. No thanks, bud. We're going to take turns. Um, we had the, the puppies and the bunnies. And the puppies were taught that all animals walk. They always walk. That's what their moms and dads had taught them. So when they met the bunnies and the bunnies hopped, they told them, animals don't hop. Until Jesus came and spoke to them and said that he had made them that way. But for a long time, the bunnies went to puppy school and they got taught not to hop for years. And some of them even forgot. Let me tell you, when I was preparing this last night, I was weeping over those non-hopping bunnies. So today, these guys were talking about why, and it was really special too, because actually before they had to leave a little early, but we had some of our friends who are with us today are from um, First Nations families. And so we were talking about why is it important that we all got to walk together. So, So the little kids were answering, why does it matter to me? Why does it matter to me if I get to walk with all my friends? So I'm going to share, I'm going to read some of the little ones. It matters to Pax because he said, that's how I feel. What were you saying? That's how I feel? Sure. We're just talking about our Sunday school. That's how I feel. That's right. Thanks. Sarah, yours said... I, it matters to me because, do you want me to read it or would you like to say it? It matters to me because I want to be with my friends. She said, I love Anthony. I love Quan. I love Malone. I love my First Nations friends. They're my favorites. If I was on a walk and I wasn't allowed to walk with them, that would really matter to me. I want to be with my friends. Okay, so let's keep going with the preschool class packs. That's not okay to do that. Dad's just going to talk to you. Ben, your ribbon says, it matters to me 
Do you remember what it, you said? You said, I want all my friends to walk. I want all my friends I want all my friends to walk with me. That's right. Do you remember what your ribbon said? You just drew some beautiful pictures. Do you remember what your ribbon said? Your ribbon says, it matters to me because everybody can come. Did you want to say anything else? No. Ella, you did beautiful art on your ribbon. Your ribbon says, it matters to me because, did you want to say what it says? Ella says, because God loves his children. That's why it matters to me. Okay, some of the big kids who wanted to share, go ahead. You want to share? Yeah. It matters to me because we're all the Lord's children. Where'd Nori go? Hey, sorry. So Nori's is a dancing ribbon that she made with special feathers on it. Okay. Because there's no wrong way to dance. That's right. That's very healing for me to hear. There is no wrong way to dance. Um, it matters to me because they are all my brothers, and I don't think it's fair. That's right. Awesome. Thanks so much, you guys. Danny, why don't, can you come on up here, Danny, and... Uh, any, any, any First Nations sisters and brothers, if you guys want to come up, I'd, I'd like to just have you pray just over us today. And just, uh, I think our posture is one of, of just um, where my son was coming out of that movie and going, uh, God, we're broken. We need, we need your mercy uh, and your grace. So I'd like you to just pray over us that, that, uh, that the Lord will bless uh, this week, that the body of Christ will be um, just salt and light with all that's going on. We know that at the heart there is no reconciliation without the gospel, without Jesus. We understand that. But often the way we live out the gospel is not just words, it's, it's actions. So I'd, I'd just like to, cl- in close, uh, closing, just invite us all to stand, if you're able to stand, and just uh, have you pray for this week, this coming weeks, and and just thank you for being who you are. Uh, you're just a wonderful friend and so glad God brought you back. And, and just feel the timing. It's just amazing for, for us as a congregation. So, uh, yeah, just benediction. Bless us. Pray whatever you, God gives you, Danny. We just thank you for what you're doing in this hour, God. We thank you for your mercy, God. Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, for enlightenment, God. And God, we just trust you, God, for, Lord, the handshakes that are, are happening on both sides, God. Lord, I just trust you, God, for the First Nations, Lord, that Help us, God, to come to a place, Lord, to just, Lord, to forgive, God, and to to press on, God, to a future, Lord, not, not to be stifled anymore. Help us, God, not to be stifled anymore by, by fragmented pasts, God, but help the First Nations, God, this week truly 
make a decision, God, to, to let go of the past, God. God, we trust you, Lord, for that, God. We trust you for healing, God. Lord, for, for many natives, God, throughout the city, God. We trust in you, God, for healing power, God. Holy Spirit, we ask you to infiltrate, Lord, even those sessions that are going to take place, whether they be Christian or whether they be secular, God. Holy Spirit, we just ask you, God, to infiltrate those places, God, where the workshops will happen, God. And God, we just, Lord, we trust you for what you're going to do this coming week, God. God, we ask, Lord, for just something real, God, between, Lord, the the First Nations and the non-Native community, God, that something real would take place inside of us, God. A real partnership, God. And I I think of Elsie, Lord, at, at camp, Lord. She said, Lord, that I'm just like one of you now. Father, I just ask, Lord, that you'd help the First Nations community, God, just to really take our place, God, when whatever you're doing in this hour, God, God, help us not to be stifled anymore for by all the baggage that we've always carried, God. Help us, God, to let it go, Lord. And God, we just trust you, Lord, for... Lord, I thank you so much for VEV, and I just see so much, so... Lord, just, just how genuine the love is here, God. Lord, I just ask, Lord, that it would just... That would be just a commonplace thing, God. Lord, and, and just in our society, God. Lord, just, just let there be a common common thing, God, that help us to accept, God. Help us to embrace one another, God. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this hour, God. God, just, just just let it be, Lord, by your Spirit, God. Whatever happens this week, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to be a huge part of it. We thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Danny. Amen. You want to lead us in just some more worship, just during ministry time? Good. Just two practical things for the kids. The ribbons are for the for the walk next week. So we just had clothes pegs today, but if your family's coming to the walk next week, please encourage your kids to pin their ribbons on where people can see them. And um, if you want to um, to even trade them or give them away, that was something that we were encouraged with. And just a second practical thing, we were able to bring the sign-up sheets up for everybody to sign out, but we weren't able to bring everybody's lunch boxes, belongings, all things like that. So please uh, sign your kids out up here, but, um, don't, but don't forget all their practical things as the service continues too. So thanks, everybody, for kid, Kids Church Day. It was great. Mm-hmm. Thanks, awesome. Joanna. Just want to thank Joanna, especially uh, for her 
great creativity, and you notice that they, they pick feathers, and the feather historically has been a very powerful tool that First Nations people have used as a way of offering prayers to the great creator. And so I just feel like the Lord is just challenging us. Uh, to how can we have that spirit of adoption? Where, you know, the First Nations people have such wonderful creative gifts of art. And, for instance, we in the past have used Bannock for our First Communion. And Bannock is a First Nations great tasty bread. And so I believe that the Lord will allow us to just have new eyesight to see how we can bring these creative things that will enrich our lives, not only from First Nations cultures, but from our wonderful Korean brothers and sisters and our Chinese and, and all our all the nations that God is bringing, literally bringing to Vancouver. So let's just applaud this spirit of adoption that God has for us because it will enrich our lives in a tremendous way. Thank you, Kathleen. Well, I'm happy to say that we're ending five minutes early to today. That's historic. I cheated because I've put the service end time a bit later in the bulletin. So, But anyway, uh, if you need prayer, come for prayer. Uh, turn to one another, somebody you trust, if you'd like prayer into some of these questions. Uh, you're formally dismissed to go. Grace and peace. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a wonderful week. Meet you at the at the walk next Sunday. <laughs>